Good morning. John, you might, might not have run out of <coughs> petrol, but... Uh, the queue for petrol in Morrison's went right the way down Worting Road, right over the bridge. And we, we had trouble getting around the traffic to try and get along Worting Road. But uh, um, we don't panic, do we? Who's panicking? <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's amazing, isn't it, that um, there seems to be one crisis after another at the moment. You know, it's just it, it, the, tomorrow you, you, the news starts and there's another crisis that's happened. And, uh, you know, we, it, it's enough to get everybody scared, really, isn't it? But um, we don't need to be because our, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And uh, we don't need to be scared. Now, uh, okay, so we've been doing this series, this little mini-series, From the Heart, uh, where each of the four elders have been sharing our hearts. Now, I, I don't think I have ever actually had the opportunity, been asked to just share my heart on a Sunday morning. So this is quite, quite unusual. Usually there's some theme or other. So I, I hope you've, you've got three or four hours spare today because that's where my heart goes, but uh, we'll, we'll, try, we'll try and cut, truncate that a bit. Uh, in week one, Gary spoke, and um, his main theme was we can make a difference. And I, I think if you remember, he showed that little short video of the, the, the young lad with the starfish, you know. I can make a lot of difference to one or two. You know, and, and that, is, that is such a key message for us, isn't it? Because we can't change the world. And if we try to, we'll, we'll give up. But we can make a lot of difference to one or two. Um, the second, second week, Terry showed us that nice video from, um, I can't remember which motor, Honda. Yeah. And he, he was asking the question, is OK OK? Okay is not okay. Okay is not good enough, really. And he was encouraging us in the power of dreams. And then last week, Andy Windsor leaned on his experience of the construction industry to remind us that it is Christ who builds his church. It is Christ who designs his church. We are simply his labourers, and we must trust in him to raise the church. It's not actually my church. It is my church because in the sense that it is the church to which I belong, but it's not my church in that it's the church that belongs to me. And uh, it's Christ's church. And he asked us at the end, can we say anything, Lord, and, and mean it? Anything, Lord, anything. Can we mean it? Okay. So this time, we're, uh, I'm borrowing one of Terry's slides. We're talking about the heart, and I just want to give a little personal testimony before I go any further. Um, I, was, I became a Christian at university. I was quite an academic. We have lots of books, and I was reading books, learning from books, knew everything, and before long, I knew the answers to everything. <laughs> so I thought... And then um, I remember God just, I managed to avoid making a total and utter fool of myself 
a few times by sort of blasting into a situation, thinking I knew, knew the answer. And uh, God graciously sort of stopped me. But then at a conference, he spoke to me very clearly and he said, Andy, I want you to be primarily a heart man, not a head man. And that changed my whole life. In fact, it made my ac academic life a bit difficult because I'm not academic at all anymore, really. Um, and uh, uh, it changed the way I looked at things, the way I looked at my faith and everything. And um, for, for instance, I, for a while I stopped reading any sort of theological books, um, only the Bible and sort of testimonies and things like that. Um, and uh, I didn't go to Bible college or anything like that, and I felt there's nothing wrong with Bible college, but for me, I felt God wanted not my head, but my heart. And I, didn't, I never went to Bible college, and uh, I won't go now, I don't think. Uh, who knows? But, um, but it's the heart that God's after. He's always after our heart. And uh, in... in in the ways, one of the things that I realised that I began to pursue was the ways of the Lord rather than the laws of the Lord. Okay, Because the ways of the Lord, grabbing the heart of God, trying to understand what the heart of God is in every situation rather than just under, you get, getting my theology right. Because I think if we concentrate too much on theology, particularly in our modern day, um, we're going to get ourselves into all sorts of difficulties. But what we really want to do is grab the heart of God and hear what's God's heart for you and me today in 21st century Britain. So I think seeking the heart of God is so important. And uh, Jesus himself said, I, I love this, um, Jesus said at one point in Matthew chapter 5, he said, uh, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. <coughs> and what, what he meant like that was, in a way, the law and the prophets were written out very carefully um, on, on, in, in the scrolls, but they were words trying to describe something. And Jesus comes along and says, here I am. This is, what it, this is what it actually means. All the spaces between the lines are filled in because I am all that God intended us to be. And the law and the prophets are, are, are really just a crude description of God's ways before Jesus comes. Okay? But then Jesus comes and it is fulfilled in, in, a, in, in, a, in a whole way. And we following, as, as the followers of Jesus and part of the body of Christ, we continue in that way. Okay, so we are not law followers. We follow the ways and the heart of God, always seeking the heart of God. What is God's heart in this situation? Now, we can only do that with the Holy Spirit, to be honest. You know, we will always revert back to a legalism because the, the heart of God is, is, is totally transmitted to us through the Holy Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit 
all times to, to really be the people of God. And I think that's, so that's perhaps my first, first big point is we need the Holy Spirit. We need, and we need a visitation of the Holy Spirit again. You know, we are a charismatic church, charismatic. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But is there a presumption that because we believe in the baptism of the Spirit and back in, back in the day I had an experience of the Holy Spirit that that's all done and dusted now. But actually we need the Holy Spirit to come again and bring all this to life. Okay. Now I want to, I want to read this... Um, can't get it to go on. Can you move it on? Okay. This is this is a passage from uh, one Peter. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, which in time were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I deliberately picked, used the King James Version of that because because I like this phrase, a peculiar people. And um, I... (coughs) I don't know if you can identify anyone in our midst that uh, likens to those peculiar people, um, but uh, actually uh, the, word, the, the phrase peculiar people doesn't mean peculiar quite in that way. It means the uh, peripoesis, literally the word used there, literally means a people of God's own possession. And most of the modern translations translate the phrase accurately um, in that way. I just thought I like peculiar and, you know, to a people of God's own possession. That's who we are. So, you know, and, and we've been through a difficult time, haven't we? We've been surrounded by all the problems of the world. We've been isolated in our, in our homes. We've been coming to meetings in Zoom and... And, and live streams, and it's been a difficult time to really get a, a, a strong sense of who we are as church. But we are a people of God's own possession. We're not here for ourselves. We're not, we're not here just to please ourselves. Church isn't a nice place to come and, and just be in, and sit and have our, chil- have our children talk. It's, it's a body of people that God has chosen, brought together, and as we look at one another, we're not just a motley crew of people who get up on a Sunday morning just to come and socialise. We are God's own possession. Okay? Um, now, is that just wishful thinking? I hope not. I hope that, but actually... You know, when you read in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit is amongst us, these things come into being and the true, the true light and value. And, and this is great church, isn't it? It is my church. 
I love it. I love this church. And, uh, and this church is doing great things. You know, it, we go, we, out in the world, we're doing all sorts of things, both individually in our lives and corporately. But there's something more that we need to, in, our, in our lives. So, t- so um, I wanted to move on to another scripture. This, oh, I'm back to the NIV now. This, this scripture really, really does challenge me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, desperately, desperately, desperately today, we need to be able to test and approve what God's will is. Because we live in a society that is not interested in God's will, to be honest. In fact, I would say that the, the, uh, the morality of our society is truly democratic in that, um, in that if I can shout loud enough a particular thing that I believe and want to see in society and if I can get enough people around me to stand with me and I can make that noise loud enough and eventually it gets to government, it will become law because it is democratic. The government will will pass laws on what they think the majority of people want to see morally. And we have a different... Our, our God doesn't have a democratic law. He has a clear... He has a clear uh, principles and things in life which you know, are, are naturally not going to conform to the way the world is going. But then how do we handle that? How do we handle that? Do we just, do we just uh, sh- scream out at the world? Or do we just shut our doors and have our happy little huddle amongst ourselves? How do we handle it? That is why we need to... We, we need, first of all, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so... Our minds need to be transformed so that we aren't drawn down by what the world is throwing at us every, every day, which, is, which are things which are not godly necessarily, not necessarily ungodly. Some of them are very, very good. But the way we buy into them is, is if we do buy into them, is so important. So I, I've, um, I've got a book here. And when, when we try and understand these ways, this book is uh, a book that I read about 10 years ago. It's by a gentleman called um, Brian, uh, <laughs> Brian McLaren. Has anyone heard of Brian McLaren? Yes? Brian McLaren is a sort of self-proclaimed high priest of postmodernism. Uh, he, he was, uh, he's, so 
you know, a lot of his, what he says is very controversial. But we read this book, we, what we did a, a few years ago is when we, we still had the A-team, as it was called, we would take a book like this and we'd read it, but we'd read it and each month one of us would take the chap a chapter and would just explain it and we'd talk it through. And I found this, got this, um, I found this book really, really helpful. And so I just wanted to read a couple of short passages from it. Now, the whole theme of this book is that, um, is that as Christians, particularly as evangelical Christians, we may be Bible-believing Christians. We may see, say the Bible is God's inspired scripture and we can take that as the truth. But what he's saying is how we interpret that scripture is very much dependent on our upbringing. And we, uh, most of us, have been brought up in a, a modernist upbringing of scientific discovery and, uh, and accuracy and so on. And we can often mistranslate the scriptures, misinterpret them, because we, because we filter them through our modernist eyes. And they were written by poets and prophets and people like that. So, you know, obvious things is, you know, the, the mountains cry out, you know, the, the Lord rend the heavens, you know, it's full of that sort of stuff which we know is poetic, not pathetic, poetic. And, um, and he's trying to get us to, to be able to interpret the scriptures in a way that is more... is. is is right for our present times. So he says this, he says, modern conservatives, meaning Christ, conservative Christians, not, not um, Boris, modern conservatives treat the Bible as if it were a modern book. They're used to reading modern history texts and modern encyclopedias and modern science articles and modern legal codes. And so, so they assume that the Bible will yield its resources if they approach it like one of these texts. And he goes on saying, instead of approaching the Bible with our modern assumptions and expectations and our aggressive analysis, maybe we need to read it less like scholars and more like humble seekers, trying to learn whatever we can from it in the context of our sincere desire to live for God and do what he wants. Okay, so... So what, what he's saying is that, that, that God's, the Bible is there for us today in order to guide us and help us, not, not for us to necessarily understand and try and get down to the deepest detail, but to allow the Bible to direct our lives. And so here are some, of the, here are some topical issues for you. Have a look at some of these. Uh, gay homosexual relationships, gender identity, transgenderism, abortion, assisted dying, euthanasia, racism with Black Lives Matter, climate and the climate emergency, raising our children, career-mindedness, divorce and remarriage, national defence and warfare, Data protection, GDPR, freedom of speech, and the old chestnut Brexit. Um, I mean, we've, we've got these, uh, the, we, these, these are constantly...
being thrown at us through the TV, through media, newspapers, radio, and that there is, there is a particular message that comes through these. And we could argue on these. I, I, I can argue with anybody about anything. But one thing I have learned is that um, most, most of what I know about these issues, or much of what I know about these issues, uh, I, I get from the media in some form or other. So I am quite ignorant. <laughs> I, remember, um, I remember debating with a, a, a non-Christian guy about Brexit some time back, and we were having a good old discussion and, and I, I then began to realise that the one difference between me and him was we were both ignorant, just that he didn't realise he was ignorant. <laughs> you know. But I was ignorant because, you know, who do I know? How do I know whether Brexit... My Bible doesn't tell me a lot about whether we should be part of Europe or not. Um, so so what, what is best? What is best? I don't know what's best, but I, I glean things and come to a conclusion and voted in the, in the referendum as best I could. There's lots of other things like this. Um, I, I spoke at the, at the family night a few nights ago about data protection. You know, there's, there, there's, there's a, a philosophy now that my information is mine to keep private to me and not let anybody know unless they absolutely have to know it. And yet, and yet, in my Bible, it's much more, this is my life, you are welcome to it. All right? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be careful what we do, but there's a difference in attitude in the way we approach life. You know, we, and I said, we used to have a, an address book and your rite of passage in the church was that your name and address and details were in the address book. You know, I'm in the address book. I'm there now. I'm part of the church. I'm in now. But, um, but, we, 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 uh, but now we don't have an address book. Okay? What we do have is, is a church suite which you have on your mobile and you can find it. Except that, if I look in, 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 in Church Suite to find out your telephone number, most of you, your numbers are not there. All right? That's because you, you, you don't yet know, you haven't yet released that, because the information is there. Apparently, Sarah will tell us that your information's there, but you have to actually deliberately uh, go to it and say, I'm happy to have this information. Okay, so, so it means that, that actually, how many times have you tried to say, oh, I want to, to phone someone, and you, what's their, their number? Oh, it, it, I don't know what it is, so I have to phone Gary up, you know, the font of all knowledge, or something, something like that, you know. We need to be different, actually. Don't, don't forget, the church suite is not open to the world, it's only open to the church. You know, you, you have to be logged in and so on to, to get to it. But we need to do it. So we are going to have a clinic, I think, sometime next few weeks to help you to, to get your, your information on there. Freedom of speech. Now, you know, freedom of speech is difficult. We, we can't say a lot these days without... We, we won't get thrown in prison, but we'll get a tonne of stuff and we're afraid to say what we really think. But, you know, I have to admit that 
50 years, only a few years ago, we had blasphemy laws in this country which said if you said, any, if you said the wrong things about, about Christianity, you could be put in prison. So I have to, you know, whenever, we, you know, we've got to be reasonable. Freedom of speech is, we, we treasure it, but we didn't have freedom of speech 100 years ago, and we don't have freedom of speech today. Um, and there's lots of things there. We're not going to go through all these, um, all these things. I, thought, oh, I just thought, raising children, now when I had young children, what did we do? We disciplined our children. We smacked our children. Right? We smack them. Today, it's against the law to smack your children, except in extreme circumstances. So we've got a different, you know, th there's a whole different way of doing things. And, um, you know, people would be shocked. I expect some of you young parents, if you're here, would be shocked to think, you know, that we smacked our children as, as part and parcel of, their, of, of bringing them up. So there are difficult things to face, aren't there? And I think the, the, point is, the point I want to make is that we must not just buy into these things and, um, and just buy into what we, what's being thrown at us by the media. We need to understand the ways of the Lord and how, Lord. The truth about a lot of these things, gay relationships, gender rights, transit, it's... it's God's truth hasn't changed. God's truth is the same as it was. But the way we handle that in our world has to, has to change. We can't behave in the same way that we behaved 50 years ago because the people we're talking to come from a different starting point. So we need the wisdom of God. So I've, I've really come to the... That's, really what I want to say. So i just finish up with some things to consider. If you want to go away and, and do some homework, <laughs> meditate on the phrase, a people of God's own possession. What could that look like in 21st century Britain? And how should, how should this affect the way we regard one another in Hope Church? Okay? It's a good... Okay. As we're confronted by any or all of the issues on the list we just looked at, how can transformed thinking change the way we respond to them? And finally, we can only really be a people of God's own possession working with transformed thinking when we're daily, op uh, daily operating under the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. We must pray urgently that the Lord would send his spirit powerfully upon us so that we can be not just struggling with it, but having a positive message going out in the world with some power, being able to speak into things with courage, but with wisdom and make an impact on the world. Thank you. Can I just pray and then we'll, I'll hand back to uh, Sarah. Dear Lord, we have such a fantastic message. The message of salvation is an amazing message. It is powerful. And if everything that we read in the Bible is true, we have the most amazing thing. We are transformed. 
but our lives are hidden with Christ in God. We are not our own. We're not here to be just looking after ourselves. We're here to serve you. That is so important. We are here primarily to be your people. And we pray, Lord, that uh, we might be that. And we know that we can't because the, that, that we can't without your Holy Spirit. And so we do pray for every one of us, Lord, that you might send your Holy Spirit into this church again and again, Lord, that, Father, we might know the power of God that can transform us into the people of God's own possession in a way that can be transformative to the world around us. So we just pray, Lord, that you will help us. Help us right now, Lord. Send your Spirit and give us everything we need to be the people of God in 21st century Britain. Amen.